everybody and welcome to another episode of Around the Sound. This week we have the amazing Emma Langford joining us and Emma is just a breath of fresh air. She's just released an album, um, a brand new album, Sewing Acorns, which is absolutely incredible. Um, she's the winner of the RTE Folk Award and she's just class, isn't she? <laughs> she is. You know, this is... Um... I just, yeah, just really, just really, really cool woman. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love her music. It's just so, yeah. oh, just. It's it's beautiful and it's so deeply rooted in folk and yeah. but like a really interesting take on old Irish folk um, and just beautiful messages in the songs, um, really interesting lyrics and and incredible melodies. Um, that bird song one that we talk about throughout this episode is a stunner, um, absolute stunner. Yeah, and uh, this is also one of the shorter episodes we have for a change, which is nice. So you'll probably all love that. <laughs> yeah, well, usually we just, we can talk forever. Like the people that, we're, that we have on, I mean, there's so many interesting things to say. So we just kind of let it, let it fly. But Emma has gotten a new puppy that needs training today so um she had to, to leave us a bit early but um this is a really great chat and um i hope that you all really really enjoy this chat with emma langford and um yeah let us know how much you did enjoy it all right emma welcome to around the sound thank you thanks for having me oh it's such a pleasure to have you on i know we've been like have we actually, we've never officially met in person. How, no, we have. I no. think the first time we kind of sort of ish met was during my weekly sing song that I had yeah. you on. During, Which was like, brilliant. The initial, yeah, it was great fun. It was a really nice way to, like exactly what happened between us. Just this opportunity to actually just sit and talk to another artist and share songs and that kind of thing and talk about the background to them. Like lockdown has been tough in a lot of ways, but it's also brought like those introductions to people that I never would have gotten otherwise. So I'm quite grateful for that. Yeah. We were actually even saying that about the podcast. Like there's lots of ways in which it wouldn't have been totally possible to get a lot of people on because people are usually mm. busy. Like even like yourself, you'd usually be out in the road and you'd be like, oh God, when do I have time for a podcast? Like three mm. weeks from now. Absolutely. So it's nice to to have access to more people like that. And um, yeah, there's been some really really lovely online shows so that's been really nice um but we yeah I mean obviously we want all of our listeners to get to know everything about you Emma so <laughs> uh, you are from well maybe not everything um so you are from Limerick lovely Limerick yeah and very hard. proud of it from what I can tell I am yeah I mean partly I mean there's this thing in Limerick there's a thing called the Munchen's Curse so Munchen's curse is a, it's a very, very old curse. And it's about St. Munchen who was building his church and the local people wouldn't help him building his church. So he, he put a curse on the people of Limerick, uh, which was that nobody living in Limerick could succeed in Limerick. So um, there's this whole, there has been this whole culture and attitude in Limerick for a very long time that you have to go out of Limerick to succeed. And it, you know, I mean, in Ireland, there is occasionally, maybe it's not just Ireland, maybe it's everywhere, but there is this attitude within your own home of being taken less seriously until you go away and come back. Oh, God, but yeah. in Limerick, mm, it's got that extra kind of foundation of Munchen's curse, which is gas. Um, <laughs> but I haven't found it. I haven't found that at all. I um, 
maybe because I suppose I I was quite quiet on the Limerick scene for a very long time and people didn't know me. Maybe I gave the sense of not being from here, which is why I was so well received as an, a blow in maybe. But um, but yeah, I, I found Limerick really, really um, welcoming and really supportive. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very proud to, to be from here, especially as somewhere that's you know, we're kind of the underdog, well, we have an under- underdog <laughs> syndrome a little bit. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of like, oh, Galway gets everything um, in Limerick. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud to be from here and to have the community that we have. I can't believe I've never heard of that curse because I definitely feel like that applies to the whole of Ireland. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know that way that people in Ireland are like, oh, yeah, we love you if you go and you're successful in the UK mm. or in America. Oh, my God, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. But it's almost like, not everywhere, and obviously not with everyone, but there is this kind of begrudgery where it's like, who does she think she is? She's out there singing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there really is. Yeah, but then like someone's like, oh, I hear she was away in in America. I hear she she did very well in New York now. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, she's she's a big shot. But the trick is to not come back too often, not try and gig back at home too often, because then they're like, oh, sure, look at your one now. She thinks thinks she's all that in a bag of chips now because she was away. (laughs) So it's kind of, um, it's a balancing act, a very delicate balancing act. It is a very delicate balancing act. Um, but you have kind of, you broke onto the scene when you were, broke onto the scene, sounds so posh. Um, <laughs> when you were still in college, you're still in UL. Mm, yeah. So that must have been a serious handful of stuff to try and manage. Like you were recording the first record while you were doing your master's. No, sorry, while you were doing your final year. Yeah, no, you're right. I was I was in my master's when I did oh. my album. So um, I, I had finished my undergrad and then 2016, I released um, and just a crowdfunded EP, just a six track sample type thing. It was very, very nicely done, very polished sounding and everything, but it wasn't representative of my actual sound, um, which was an interesting experience, like a learning experience in like the producers you work with and the musicians you work with, you know, I mean, they can be the best in the world, but if they don't represent what you're doing, then it's not going to work. So um, yeah, 2017, then I was doing my master's and I got invited to do a tour of Germany and uh it was very unexpected and then I I signed the contract and I was told I'd need to have an album recorded within six months um and I was like yeah sure no problem that's fine I can do that uh so I had to pull the team around me very quickly in that time while I was finishing my thesis and all this kind of stuff so that was yeah fun time no sleep for quite a while then no 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 that's I mean that like funnily enough the title track of my new album was written at that time uh, yeah. when I, I just wasn't sleeping um I was like riddled with anxiety and I had an actual fe- like fever I was like I had a flu or something and I just I hadn't slept in about three weeks and the fever dreams were like terrifying me I was like I can't I can't close my eyes because I'll have another weird dream um so I wrote sewing acorns as like a, a lullaby one night just while I was noodling around and learning open tuning on the guitar and uh, shelved it and put it away and then it became the title track on my second album which is kind of cool yeah I love that and did you feel like I mean what you said there I think is so interesting the especially in like the early days when you start writing and recording and you're you're making that first record and you're like you've no idea what you're doing and you work Mm. with people that you know you really admire and you admire maybe what they've done before but it doesn't mean that's going to be exactly your sound. Um, and I think that's a really fun part of being an artist is that you get to like grow and develop that so much um, yeah. and change it, you know, as often as... That's why I think it's really weird when people are like, oh, 
when they're disappointed that somebody has changed their style or their sound. I'm like, that's the whole point. <laughs> You're supposed yeah. to grow and develop and, and, and find what you really want to say. Yeah, I guess it, it's, uh, it's a funny one now because people are starting so much younger and you, you actually spoke about this on a previous episode, how easy it is now to like produce your own music at home and everything. And it's such a boon, you know, it's a great thing in a lot of ways, but also it's, it's quite dangerous because it means you can like from a very young age be establishing yourself as a certain kind of artist with a certain kind of sound. Um, and let's say for me, um, not having had access to that technology or those kind of finances to go into a studio or anything like that, it meant that I was a little bit older coming to music um, in terms of releasing my own stuff. So I had a lot of time to kind of grow into what I felt was roughly my sound, even if that was just my vocal sound, you know, and mm. the kind of work that goes into establishing what that is. Um, if I had been thrown into it or if I had launched myself into it any younger, I probably would have established myself as a very different kind of artist. And it would have been harder to break that mold then. Like, I, I am amazed seeing really young artists and they're like drive and their work ethic and their ability to write all this kind of stuff is fabulous but I'm always so worried about yeah someone who like sets himself up as a pop singer or sets himself up as whatever because it's like you've got so much growing to do as a human <laughs> well that, that's a really interesting thing because there's there's two artists I'm thinking of at the moment um Irish female artists one is Patricia Lawler mm-hmm. and I think she's like 14 15 but her first EP came out when she was 13 wow. and another female artist called F.A. I think she's 16 and they're both uh, quite kind of guitar-led, uh, kind of kind of pop rock folkish kind of music. Um, and I kind of think to myself, it's like, I love what they're doing, but what will they sound like in five years' time? Because mm. they're at such a transformational age, and their their interests and their tastes are going to change so much. And you kind of wonder, it's like, particularly say for like a band like the Stripes, like they were what 12, 13 when they all got going. Well, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. They were really, really young, and then obviously Elton John's um, management company signed them, and now they went for what a good eight years. They're broken up now, and half of them are going to do acting, and and the other half are kind of like I think doing music, but so different to what they were doing before, you know. Um, and you're right, it's because because you're 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 learning so much more at such a younger age because mm. everything is the first time you're trying something yeah where when you're that little bit older that little bit more mature you're able to kind of maybe take a little bit of a step back and kind of analyze it a bit more i don't know maturely maybe yeah i can't believe fa is that young actually i love her stuff it's beautiful her voice she's got a really mature sound mm. but yeah there is i mean even with the stripes the stripes um situation was weird because like they were dressed up as like the Beatles meets the Stones, which is very much pandering to a, a much older audience. And they're like, 12? Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> if they were, you know, if if they were girls, I feel like a lot more eyebrows would have been raised if they mm. were dressed up as a band from the 60s. Yeah. But look, look, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they look, but they, they also had the opportunity to have experiences that hardly any teenagers would oh, ever Jesus, get to have. Yeah. Look, that's, I mean, it's incredible. And especially like Elton John to have his backing, like, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. What an opportunity. And mm-hmm. it gives them, I mean, if you're ever going to make a decision about whether that's what you want to do with your life, they're get they're, they were given the best possible start to make that choice. Like, Christ yeah. almighty. I think, I think as well as the fear is, 
And it's, it's something that I've been thinking about quite a lot recently is that when you're on the up and up, particularly from a young age, you think you can only continue to go up. And life, and particularly life as a musician, is not like that. It's, it's constant ebbing and flowing. It's up and down. It's going left and right. But when you're young and you get success quite early on, you get you know, some form of notoriety quite early on, you kind of think of like, well, the only way to go is just continue to go up. Mm-hmm. And then when that doesn't quite happen, you start questioning, I think, a lot of that yourself. Of Am I just talented? Am I, is this what I want to do? You know, so yeah, it's very... I mean, that's hard to deal with even at our own age. Like, you know, our, our industry is so funny because like as, a, as an artist, you are fundamentally a, a delicate flower, you know? Um, and it's very hard to like preserve your, like the ego was very important. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you need it to be able to go up on stage and perform and deliver. And you also need it to, have the confidence to ask people to buy what you're selling but at the same time like the, the core part of what makes you want to write songs and get up there on the stage at all is this sense of like please love me like I, Absolutely. I need <laughs> like, and you're like a little bit broken and you're like yeah. I hope other people feel this way oh my god mm. I'm so scared what if they don't <laughs> but, yeah so I can't even imagine how it must feel for like kids then going mm. into the industry and having to have those emotions managed and have their expectations managed as well and this have this expectation on them to deliver like in a, a superhuman way is wild mm. well i saw um not so long ago i'm going to say a few weeks ago emma you put up a tweet about this particular thing of like trying to stay confident in what you're doing and like how do you um how do you do that like what do people mm. have advice on like how do you do that because it is really hard to constantly be like here's what I'm offering and you should be interested. Yeah. Um, and like hoping that people that people bite that because you are creating this product. Um, but that's a really hard thing to, to constantly feel confident about, especially during COVID when you can't get that like really real life reaction of going and playing a gig and you mm. see it on people's faces that they really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Um, that's kind of different at the moment. It's a very strange time for that kind of thing. Yeah, you're relying on these really unnatural online engagements that you know they aren't all um genuine and they aren't all uh subst- you know not not all of not all of it means anything um some people are are just being kind which you have to like managing that understanding of like people actually liking what you're doing and supporting you versus people just wanting to be kind to you is like something I really struggle with um <laughs> but it's like my um, mom and all her friends yeah exactly <laughs> like mom please stop liking every status ever please um I've had to I had to early on I had to block my parents on twitter because ah! they were so like and they mean well they mean so well but like they had they had a twitter account and I it was before they were even using it. I just knew there would come a point where they remembered they had a Twitter account that they could use. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just preempting this straight away. Um, and, we, you know, we had a few conversations over the past few years where I was, you know, they've, they've come now to the point where they're like, oh, right, no, no, we know how it looks now. We get it. <laughs> they kind of step back. But yeah, they're, they're painfully kind. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really weird time for managing um, your self-confidence and, and, uh, like the way you're selling things is different right now. As you say yourself, you're not on a stage seeing people enjoying the gig. So if you're doing like a live stream and someone drops off, the numbers drop off by like two. You're like, oh, what did I do? Oh no, something I said. Yeah, um, I know. And they probably so. need to go make a bloody cup of tea. But you're like, I'm so insulted. Yeah. <laughs> you're meant to be here for this entire thing. Nobody leaves. 
sit down oh. yeah it's a really it's a really weird one right now um so trying to and I got some lovely responses to that actually but by and large people were just like it's just it's just the reality of your industry mm-hmm. and it's hard to manage sometimes but find find things outside of your work to give you your self-esteem don't rely on your vocation to be you know your sense of self because they're they're separate things and because we do that more than well in the arts in general people do that whereas like Mm. if I was an accountant or a lawyer or I don't know like loads of other things I probably wouldn't put as much weight on that being my identity and my that being so important that everybody loved my work that I did on their accounts like I wouldn't really do you know what I mean (laughs) I wouldn't really much um so it's a t- it's a totally different yeah different thing. Um but you released an amazing album throughout this year and with all the uncertainty that was going on and everything it got um incredible pickup sewing acorns. Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. I mean, like you know, I, I, a lot of work went into it. I've been working on it since January last year. Mm-hmm. Um so it's been a nearly 2 years now of of a lot of slogging. Um but with a really, really brilliant team. So I knew that the product was good, which really helped. Um, so I didn't feel, I wasn't overly sheepish in, in pushing it or selling it, which, you know, which helps. It helps if you believe in the product. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was challenging. And like, we're usually, you know, I had a game plan. It was like, you know, I'll release the album. And I'll, you know, I, I was meant to be on tour in Germany for a month before the album ever came out. And that would have given it a good push. And I'd have had loads of footage of us playing the songs and all this kind of stuff. And obviously none of that happened. Yeah. Um, And I'm, you know, paying someone to do PR for me at the moment. And I was like, is that money gone down the toilet now? Is that a waste of money? But um, no, she's been, she's been amazing. Louise uh, Barker, she's based in Cork and uh, we're very similar personality types and she's just really really supportive and it's been so because I never I've never had a team before mm-hmm. so actually having someone in my corner who's not as is like you know it's not my mom um <laughs> is really nice it's like someone who like fully believes in the product and she's you know she's finding every opportunity out there possible and pushing it on the right people and Amazing. just having that name in your corner is is lovely but yeah the, the album's been really well received which is lovely One of my favorite songs in the album um, is Birdsong. I just, I was listening to it earlier on today again, um, and the remix as well, which I want to ask you about some of your remixes after, because just, I love it. Mm. But with Birdsong, it seemed to me like it was quite heavily influenced by kind of Shan No's style of Irish singing, because it's, yeah. it's, it's quite, uh, you know, harmonic. You know, the majority of the song is kind of a cappella. You have multiple singers in there. Um, would you say that's kind of a right uh, assessment from my side that you know that there's quite a lot of Shan Notes influence in there, or am I completely wrong? No, you're not wrong. Um, I, I, there's a few different elements at play in Birdsong, um, and in the entire album actually. So Birdsong was written on. I have another song called Tug of War, which was sort of the impetus for my career to begin. So in 2016, I had a day when I just felt rubbish and. It was another one of those days where I wasn't 100% sure if music as a career was something I wanted to do or was able to do. So I kind of was sat in front of, sorry, just a second. Is Willow okay? She's barking a lot at the back. Okay. Sorry. Dog woes. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I had this day when I was just sitting in my bedroom and I wrote Tug of War 
initially and that was my initial kind of catharsis for getting it all out of my system about how rubbish I was feeling and then I wrote Birdsong directly after and Birdsong was my like um, protest against those feelings it was my protest against what society was telling me to feel about myself and about my career and about my prospects all that kind of thing um, and then I, I put it aside that was in 2016 and then it resurfaced in 2019 for making the album but when I was writing it I was quite inspired by the tra- traditions of gospel um, I had been doing I just finished my undergrad and I had been taught by Nori Nirian who's an incredible Shanno singer um, so one day in class she turned around to us and she was talking about like kind of the, the vultures out there in the world who are going to just kind of prey on you for whatever you can give them mm. and she was talking to us about women's songs and how important they are and how in Shanno's traditional music there's an awful lot of feminism there's a lot of, of women standing up for their own um values and 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 just be just basically tell men to kind of feck off a lot of the time which is great um so she was doing that kind of stuff and then she she said this brilliant line which was just they'll eat you up and come back for the bones and this idea that like if you let people they'll take every element of you that they can um and I wrote that down in a notebook and in like 2015 2014 maybe earlier 2012 probably and I came back to that that day and I was like, yes, that's perfect. That's it exactly. This idea that like you are as strong as your bones. And if you let people take those, they have everything. Um, so I wanted to incorporate what she taught us through Shannos of how you can sort of, uh, your voice is such a personal, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And you can communicate so much just through that. Um, and then I was listening to a lot of Annie Lennox. So she inspired it as well. So <laughs> it was a plethora of um influences and I try as much as possible to allow whatever is permeating to come through in the music Um, just that thing of like you know not sticking to one sound or not sticking to one genre you have to be open to whatever wants to use you yeah (laughs) basically well that's the amazing thing because I feel like you've you're you're quite deeply rooted in folk but you're Mm. you're allowing so many other things to come into the music as well so it's like it's amazing to have that base that you yeah. are really drawing on, but then you're like, oh, I'm mm. going to take a bit from that and take a bit from her. And, you know, and I think that's amazing. Um, yeah. I just, I just, I absolutely love the album. I'm, Thank I'm, you so I'm much. a big fan. And um, the Mariana song as well, I think is, is just beautiful. I know you gave all the proceeds to that for, to Safe Ireland as well. And mm. um, profits yeah. from the sale. So that was a beautiful thing to do, especially during a really, difficult time um yeah so just a huge bloody congrats on the album well thank you very much (laughs) I think it's just absolutely stunning um are you in the process of thinking about recording anything new at the moment or are you just like no I'm going to take some time after this one and deal with the year at hand and then have a look at what's next after that um kind of mixed feelings at the moment um so I'm always writing I'm always looking to the next thing I think it's really important to do that otherwise you do wind up placing too much value in the one product and like if the album wasn't doing well on a Monday on Tuesday I'd be like oh it's terrible it's a terrible album it's awful <laughs> but like you know if so long as you keep like trucking ahead and thinking of the next thing then the album's on the back burner and you're kind of like okay great lovely review there cool deadly mm. and you know oh this person bought a copy of it there class nice one and all that kind of stuff's happening in the background while you're working on the next mm-hmm. thing which I think it's there's this thing called release fatigue which I talked to um there's a brilliant electronic folk pop duo called Hummingbird based in Dublin 
And uh, I remember we were kind of bashing this out ages ago, this idea that like you work so long on, on your project and on every element of it, bringing the artwork together, working with the manufacturers, working with the producers, making sure that everything is lined up. And that's on top of having written the album, mm. which was its own creative process. And then there's the release process, which is having to be excited all over again about everything that you've just done for the past two years um, it, for the for the benefit of everyone's eyes, like, you know, online and in person. And it it's so draining. Like there comes a point where you're like, I cannot be excited about this anymore. I have done all the work. Come on. Um, but the best way that we, you know, we all agreed to to keep that excitement and keep that energy is to be moving on to the next thing mm-hmm. um, and to know that there's you've got more to offer, I think. Because if you think that the, the last thing you did is, is the best thing you've ever done and it's all you're going to do ever, then you're going to be you're going to be fecked. You're going to be zapped after it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at in my head now, just working on collaborations. And I've just started co-writing, oh. which is a very I don't I, you've done a bit of co-writing. Yeah, I do a lot. Like, of it, yeah. I this is very new to me. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody to be able to see your face right now, Emma, because you just look bewildered. You're like, I just. <laughs> how do how do you do this? Um, yeah, it's such an alien. Like it's lovely. It's really nice mm. sitting down with someone and like being like, here's a feeling. Let's make poetry about it together. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. So, like what's your what's what's your typical process with co-writing I think first of all I think for me I like I started writing songs as a teenager and like whatever they were all absolutely crappy and you know teenage angst and all that stuff but like really when I started diving into the industry I was in Nashville so I started with co-writing so it was really natural for me from the get-go mm. whereas like okay. I think if I'd written for the last 10 years by myself and then I was looking at co-writing now I might be freaking out slightly um Mm. but I think it's like I love writing for other people and I love writing somebody else's story um and I love writing with people who have like different strengths than me so like my strengths would definitely lie in like the top line and vocal melodies and you know thinking about that whole area so if I work with somebody who's good on the track level it's just a really nice blend and then, like, I yeah. tell the story and they just kind of facilitate that. Um, right, okay. So I think it's about, yeah, or if I'm writing for somebody else, I love just kind of, like, drawing out their story and trying mm. to... But it's, it's it doesn't work with everybody. It's, like, such a, yeah. an energy collision that, like, it has to be the right energy. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, it's fun. It's definitely something to try in 2020. Why not? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, no, and it's been a really interesting experience, but it's just, it's so, I suppose, so much of what I've written so far has been very introspective and very personal. Like, there's some of my stories that are not about me. You know, some of the songs are, are not really my story. Um, but they're still very much my, like, solely my perspective on that person or my perspective on that place. So asking someone else to be part of telling that story in any way is still very alien to me like I'm not much of a team player so I yeah I'm, I'm kind of figuring that out like I've got a couple of people that I'm having a lot of fun working with and talking yeah. to about songwriting that kind of thing um but like you know one guy up north Peter McVeigh he's a fabulous songwriter brilliant producer lovely musician great uh, he's got a great mind for similarly the top line kind of thing um but we're also both very, very similar songwriters in a lot of ways. So trying to find like 
ways to like not just be writing the same same thing at the same time basically yeah. is very very challenging so it's been um i think that's uh, something that i need to i need to work on a little bit and, and see new approaches to songwriting yeah i think it's also personalities yeah. i mean you know they they it doesn't have to kind of be a yin and a yang but i think with personalities if you're very similar you'll either come out with something quite incredible or it'll just crash and burn mm. and i think it's it's kind of like any relationship essentially is if you connect and you use have some form of things in common or what an outlook or perspective you know that will that will show in the music but so sometimes it's like you know you could be two really really hot songwriters but if you can't work together, mm. it's probably more of a personality thing as well. I think that's that's the part of it. Co-writing with new people is a little bit like like dating. Yeah, it's like you're kind of you're kind of sussing each other out at the beginning. A little, well, not make it small. Each other out, find the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right though. It is like it's you know you're getting a sense of each other, and it's I think it's daunting for for me because similarly to dating, you're kind of you're you're giving a lot of yourself in that initial like you know you're you're trying to make the best possible impression and you know putting your best foot forward all that kind of sorry my dog is literally learning to use the door handle it's terrifying <laughs> me she's <laughs> I'm just looking at the door the across the room and the handle is just like, I'm like <laughs> um she's a collie so yeah she's super clever um but yeah that that whole experience of like I mean you know it's Jesus a, a long time since I've been anything similar to dating but I remember those early days and like do you know there's that real sense of and it's the closest thing to it now I've experienced is with co-writing and like even with bandmates finding the right fit you know even in the first couple of weeks everyone's making the best impression and then things start to slot into a groove and people start showing their true colors mm -hmm. and personalities start clashing and it's quite like I find it quite emotionally draining like it's really mm -hmm. it kind of hurts when when the click when the the spark goes and you're like oh well oh well uh, onwards to the next victim, <laughs> victim <music. laughs> um, well I've, I've always kind of wondered sorry to interrupt Megan right but actually question for you Megan as well I've always wondered do you ever feel guilty when you do a co-write with someone else and not you know like because obviously you're Megan, not your you regular co-writer yeah like do you ever like feel like you're cheating on them yeah <laughs> um, you know no you know, I mean, I know, I know you. I know you the Dunwells. Like I know you and Dunwells, you know, are very. Um, if you're on a songwriter's perspective, polyamorous because he's he's all right with anyone. Yeah, I'm right but with like anybody. you know, but yeah, but there, I know there's some. It's like who was I speaking to? It was someone like that. It was like at a gig. It was last year, and they were really, really pissed off because like there's that fucker who wrote with so and so. Is like, you know, they stole my my guitar player or something like that and they're really annoyed by it i must be trying to remember I what did, it was. So i did get called a bitch once for like after a gig by a very well-known irish songwriter who was just not a nice person um for trying to steal his guitarist which i didn't <laughs> but i got called out I and i was like this. oh yeah we're not gonna name names but i was no, like no, no, are no, no, you no. shitting me this is not what i did um but anyway moving on emma i wanted <laughs> No, 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 let's get into this. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about your Patreon because you've had that going for a while and um, how has that been? And explain for people what it actually is because I'm sure some listeners don't really know what it is. Yeah, Patreon is one of these things. I feel like 
I don't know if you have this, but do you ever listen to like podcasts, certain like industry heads like mention the same word over and over again and never explain what they're talking about. And you're like, what is that word? What are you talking about? I have no idea. So you just disconnect. Um, so Patreon is basically a monthly pledge system. Um, so, uh, or an annual, they've changed it now so you can pledge annually. Oh, wow. So I've got some patrons on Patreon who will pledge two dollars euros pounds a month some are um insane for want of a better word and pledge 25 a month and i'm like okay i mean i I can't tell you to not but uh awesome uh so yeah and basically in exchange for that they're part of a, a kind of an exclusive community of people who get early access to new releases music videos merch um they get discounts off of my online store some of them at higher tiers get gifts a lot of them um joined up uh on time to receive a copy of the album wow as soon as it came out um so yeah it's it's just kind of um it's kind of like a crowdfunding system but it's much more literally you know the old-fashioned medieval patron system where people can give what they want to support your work and i've you know i frequently ask people what what do you expect from people who you're a patron for you know like do you want gifts do you want uh content do you want q a do you want like you know what do you want and nearly everyone is like we just want to know we're supporting an artist that we love which is it's so nice like i'm not that nice (laughs) (laughs) i want stuff you know give me stickers lollipops the works um but no yeah it's it's really lovely um and uh and patreon is they're an american company and they've introduced a new thing now where you can, they'll help you desi- designing patron exclusive merch. So I have Amazing. some stickers made that goes out to then And patron will do the shipping for you as well, which like, I don't know about that you, but for me, I do sure. all, yeah, I do all my like CD posting, everything myself. Yeah. And it is a pain in the it's hoop. Um, it's the worst. I posted I'll get like... Sorry, go on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like probably the same thing. Like, you know, I when the album first was released, I had a, a stream of um, orders and I was like, yay. But also, oh, no, because <laughs> I have to make them now buy envelopes and yeah. Paddy and Joan in the post office are going to hate me again. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, I did. I posted out an album to like a friend of mine. When mine came out, I was posting them out as well. And this was a guy I'd gone to school with. So I like wrote mm. a letter in it. I hadn't talked to him in years. And I wrote a letter and I was like, oh, so like, so lovely of you to support this. Da, 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 da. And <laughs> I got a message from him on Facebook a week later. He was like, wait, you actually pose out everything yourself? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep, here is the life of an independent artist. Yeah, it's an element to the whole industry that people don't don't see or don't know about. And uh I'm, you know, I try and keep it very much at the fore of like everything I post. I'm like, here I am at the post office with my bag of CDs yeah. going to you guys personally. Yeah. Please don't be angry when this is very, very late getting to you because I do it all myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that's amazing. I'm sure Patreon has, has been like, you know, it's a, it's such an amazing supporter for artists like or support, I should say, because with social media, you're just constantly essentially giving away your content for free all Mm. the time oh yeah and at least with something like this if you have proper hardcore fans that are like no we just really want to see you keep making music and be able to support what you're doing um it's just lovely everyone should be it is yeah no it's gorgeous and it gives you like a constant little like sense of like oh okay i'm doing something right which is really nice um 
there's, you know, there's a few diehard fans as one girl and her mother both support me at the same high tier kind of thing. And they'll, like, anytime my merch comes out, even though they're entitled to just be sent something, they always order merch as well. Like, everything I've ever released, they, like, I think I I released these little high-vis dog vests (laughs) with my (laughs) artwork for my first album on the back of them. And, like, they don't have a dog. They still ordered one. (laughs) for like a teddy bear and it's just that kind of stuff you know it's so sweet um but no aside from like the financial support which is class obviously but having a community of people that you know are that into what you're doing is is amazing like it's so nice um and it's quite user friendly so you can do like video live streams and this kind of stuff like live in app kind of thing which is quite nice Mm -hmm. um or you can link in what i've been doing is sharing little um kind of voice diaries so i'll record on Spotify or on soundcloud and i'll share a link to the soundcloud voice diary and it'll come up directly in the app as opposed to them having to go you know there's nothing worse for people having to click a load of stuff Mm -hmm. to get to the thing you want them to see so yeah it's pretty handy i really like it that was going to be a a question i had for you is you know, a lot of artists have tried it. Lots of artists have set one up, but mm. a lot of them will complain. I couldn't, I couldn't keep it running. I couldn't keep with the commitment of it, or I just wasn't getting enough patrons to to kind of make it worth my while. Do you have any kind of advice on that and how to keep it running, basically, and how to kind of get a, a you know, a community of patrons that where you feel okay, it's it's this is worth doing because it is a lot of work. Yeah, it is. I mean, the same as like your social media presence, you know, it's, I I do um, kind of DIY PR consultation for artists. And the main thing I'll always ask them kind of halfway through the chat is like, do you actually want to do it yourself? Like, because you don't have to, you can pay mm-hmm. someone, no one's going to judge you for paying someone to do this for you. It's really hard. Um, but the reality is, it's just consistency. And it's like, uh, as tacky and crass and horrible and gross as it sounds nearly everything is an opportunity for generating mm-hmm. content like whatever you're doing during your day if it's like you see a cute dog that's content like you know <laughs> put it up on your instagram story with a clip of your own music playing over it go for it definitely Why not? more like, willow absolutely yeah, willow everywhere. <laughs> all of the willow um but i think with patreon it is a little harder because you do have the additional feeling of pressure of wanting to deliver like higher quality content and like more consistent stuff and and maybe more exclusive or insightful mm. stuff um but i would say just it's just a case of um building up your stash of stuff in the background and having it there like demos and that kind of stuff like people who are signing up to your patreon are so excited to hear the original home demo of a song they've heard on your album a million times um so having all like a reservoir of that kind of stuff is really really valuable um and just being open and honest with people mm-hmm. like a lot of i remember one person actually rep- replying to my question about what they wanted to hear just saying you know I actually don't really want exclusive access to stuff I just want to hear your thoughts on things um maybe stuff that you're not happy to talk too openly about on Twitter or mm-hmm. Facebook maybe that kind of stuff if you wanted to like blog yeah about because stuff. a lot of so, people actually just want to get to know you like they're buying into you yeah. as a as an artist you as a person you know you're you're writing these songs that they're mad about so they're buying into yeah. you, which which is beautiful. And, and again, like you said, like a really nice thing to just drive you forward and keep you motivated. And you're like, oh, I'm I'm, you know, doing something right. <laughs> 
yeah exactly um i think it's it was, what's really funny with patreon and with any of those little things is even with people who come to my gigs because you know i mentioned before the the chat kicked off proper i'm actually really enjoying like the handful of socially distanced gigs i have done have been quite an exclusive small mm. crowd and those people that have been there have had like um i don't know if you like maybe do you ever have like a friend that you've got in jokes mm. with and then like and they're like super cool <laughs> And then you're in like a big group and that person makes that in joke with you and you feel like super cool because you have a joke with them. And everyone else is like, what? What are they talking about? And you're like, it's just a little joke. So like there's a bit of that with Patreon and with, with gigs and stuff. So then when I post something to Facebook or, or Twitter, you know, the, the kind of the more public, mm-hmm. local kind of stuff, um, people who are like patrons or people who come to gigs are like, oh, I get I get that. I see what you're referencing. I know what you're talking about. And there's a lovely sense of like rapport and mm-hmm. kind of friendship there, which you don't really, you don't really get as much through like just your general postings. So I've really enjoyed that actually. It's been, it's been really nice, a sense of having a bit of a social group, which we just don't have at the moment due to the C word. Bloody C word. <laughs> um, so Emma, um, I know Christmas. we're running out of time, um, but because you're taking Willow on a little adventure, aren't you? Mm, she's going for her first oh. training session um yeah she's very very good she's very very clever but she's also very very <laughs> cheeky so we need to, how old we is need she to, she's oh. only six months um oh, but we've only we've had her a week and she's now responding to sit and stay and all that but only if there's a treat involved so fair. which is fair same yeah. um but, I'd, be, uh, I'd be the same. So. Yeah, I mean, like, we're very similar personalities. She doesn't like kids. Um, she's mad for attention. She loves sweet stuff. Like, we're very similar. Amazing. Well, we are going to, we're going to link mm. in the show notes anyway, your, we'll link your Patreon page and we're going to link all your socials and everything as well. And um, it's Lovely. been an absolute pleasure to have you on, Emma. Thank you so, so much for coming and, and for chatting to Thank us. Thank you. And um, yeah, we're just we're you know delighted you were able to come and join and excited to see what is coming next indeed and all that stuff i'm sorry i have to run away it feels like we've been talking for about five minutes <laughs> i know we're just so, we're just such interesting well, people the three of us obviously this is <laughs> well you used to are i don't know about me but we'll we'll, we'll definitely do this again though uh do another episode i think i'd love to hear what you two can do with a song uh, co-write together that is mm, true. Yeah. Now that you're in the co-writing train, Emma, we should do it. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my, my biggest fear with co-writing is that I'm going to be found out as oh, a fraud. Like, that's that my that biggest is, fear with my entire career. My biggest fear. <laughs> like, somebody's <laughs> going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. Ah, yeah. Um, Good old We should do it. Syndrome. We should write a nice, like, power to the Irish women song. Oh, and actually what we didn't get to talk about was Women in Harmony, which you were also a part of, which was just such an incredible, you know, get together and 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 pushing Irish women to the to the front and it was amazing yeah it was it was really special hey here's a plan how about so the Irish women in harmony are making an album and they're you know we're currently compiling and collating songs for it so let's go write something for that album there you go you heard it here first, people. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, Emma, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks, you guys. I'll chat to you soon. You too. Bye. Cheers, Emma. Take care. So there we go. Another episode rounded up for Around the Sound. This one was beautiful. Thank you so much to Emma 
for coming on and for joining us. Yeah, she's an absolute star. I loved um I loved kind of talking about her, her kind of songwriting and how she just started to do co-writes herself, which is really cool. We got to talk about her Patreon as well, which is really interesting because a lot of artists that listen to this either have started or want to start a Patreon. Yeah. So definitely, definitely it'd be really interesting, not just for musicians, but also for people who want to become patrons themselves. Absolutely. We're going to put the link to that um, in the show notes. So go and check out Emma's Patreon. She's got loads of lovely offers on there, um, which is really, really worth your support. Um, and Sewing Acorns as well is, is totally worth a listen. So anybody that has not heard Emma's music before, go and have a listen to that album. It's incredible. Absolutely. Please go have a listen. And as we usually ask, let us know what you think of this episode. Share it with your friends. Share wherever you like. Share it with everyone, obviously. Share it everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And and yeah, subscribe. And thank you so much for for tuning in, for listening to this one. And hopefully you've been listening to the previous episodes as well. Some really good ones on there and some great ones to come. So thank you all so much. And we shall be speaking with you. Well, not directly with you, but with somebody else (laughs) soon. (laughs) Thanks, guys.